welcome to Darts in the Dark podcast. We talk about branding, marketing, communication, and sustainability. And through our conversations with leading voices throughout business and culture, we help shed light on how to move your audience to take meaningful action for your business and the planet. Inspired by the increasing paradox of choice burden on consumers and the ever-increasing dispersion of goods and services, my guest today founded a company to satisfy the basic needs of our daily lives. She believes there needs to be a clear choice for consumers who are tired of marketing gimmicks, intrusive promotions, and the endless variance when selecting and buying basic everyday products. The personal care industry is primed for disruption. For too long, the major players have stifled competition by acquiring new brands to control or even eliminate them. However, people are waking up to the unsustainable nature of this sector and the ever-increasing number of products driving up unnecessary, meaningless consumption. That's where Talk comes in, offering an essentials-only philosophy to disrupt the industry and to build a purposeful one instead. My guest today is Pinar Akiskaloglu. Pinar is the founder of Talk, an anti-brand personal care company that promises to sell people only what they need, only when they need it. Educated at the University of Oxford and Harvard Business School, Pinar has a clear understanding of the rules of the current economic structure, yet she is an optimist and believes humanity can build new systems that privilege wider society rather than just the few. Pinar is also the founder of Punk Business School, working hard to put humanity at the heart of business education. Among other things, we discussed business philosophy, sustainability, the circular economy, and the triple bottom line business model. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Pinar Akaskalaglu. The problem we tackle, like in terms of our stand in, in, in terms of climate crisis and where we stand against it, our key value proposition is we are against overconsumption and marketing nonsense that is driving overconsumption. So that's what we are standing for. And this is our starting point. But also we kept educating ourselves in terms of what is scope one, scope two, scope three, how we calculate our full life cycle analysis, where we can improve. So there is like, we, we spent also years uh, on, on innovating, bringing some real product innovation to the market. I'm saying years because no nonsense innovation takes a lot of time. If you just want to claim, oh, my packaging is biogradable. Yeah, like you can buy biogradable packaging and Right. It will work, but is it really working? Does it have a future? You know, it's it's a bit complicated than this. So we are seriously focusing on what like real innovation can look like in our industry. We start with basic essential products in in, in personal care, and we will keep innovating and trying and testing different things. I mean, in my office, you will always find some powders, some tablets. <laughs> You know, this packaging, for example, produced from seaweed, like we have some paper, like trying to mix and match. And, you know, there are a lot of things going on on, on the background. But what we promise to ourselves, if we're going to introduce an innovation, a new product, it has to be a, a, a true innovation. We will never launch something for sake of launching a new product. That's our whole product development process later like at the moment we have 16 different products yeah talk talk me through what's what you have live now and and the innovations behind those at the moment we covered everything you could consider as as, as personal care 
Okay. So like shower gel, creams, oral care, shaving, deodorant, sun cream, everything you could. So those like daily use products yes. that everyone uses almost every day that yes. comes in plastic containers and who knows what the ingredients are. So you're sort of solving those two problems, right? Supply chain, product development, innovation within what's what's in the packaging and then also product innovation on the outside as well, right? Yes, 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 exactly. We also realized that we had internal conversation, what is essential? So when we first launched our first six product, we didn't have this question mark. They were like truly hands up, toothpaste, shower gel, everything, everybody will use every day. So there are no question on it. But then deodorant, cream, cream, for example, it might not be essential for everyone. It might be essential for everyone. So where do we draw the line? Okay, we stand for essentials only. That's our philosophy. But then even like six of us coming together cannot agree on what is essential, what is not. So that brought us to a level that, okay, maybe we improve the way we communicate our products and the the way we present those uh, products to our customers. So they can decide what is essential. But there's a still a line. So if coming from the industry, working with industrial expert, is if it's something, if we not convince ourselves that's essential, there's there's no go. For example, we don't have a hair mask because if you leave conditioner long enough, it will work as a hair mask. We know this information, so we don't launch it, for example. For the things we are sure that is not bringing any additional value, that's out of our scope. But for the things we are like, can bring some value to some maybe not to others right and yeah then the then we start the conversation how we created our platform so we are coming from traditional beauty we didn't have an idea about what e-commerce site should look like but we get into this anyways and it was a painful process to learn that it's not an easy thing as like oh we'll just have a website <laughs> so that was our understanding and we realized that it's not that easy but we decided to create our own platform still although we didn't have an idea about we didn't have any technical person in the team at the time because if you aim to not to sell anything more than people need any e-commerce site created in the world have the algorithms to sell more products to people who are on on your website so it's fundamentally it's designed that way whereas our expectation is how we can help people to skip one product or skip the next delivery if they don't need the product (laughs) our concerns were like never considered in this in this in this space right and the last thing you want to do is ship someone something they don't need at the time, right? So that's kind of something to solve. So I'd love to really dig into, um, you have a marketing background, you're tackling some pretty big, I would say, consumer behavioral psychological things here, right? Like overconsumption is a big concern. But when you're up against these product lines that have millions of dollars in marketing budgets, to really coerce people into over-consuming. How are you tackling that? How are you combating that? I mean, it's a noble effort, but (laughs) that's a big mountain to climb there. Yeah, especially given the fact that although there are a lot of brands available, at the end of the day, it's a couple of companies who owns them, right? Right, yeah. There's a huge, huge power behind the brands we see every day. 
some brands are eco-friendly, some brands are sexy, but they're all managed by the same institutions. They all have their personalities. And I, I feel like it's a bit schizophrenic, you know, like a, a company has different personalities <laughs> with their brands and so on. So we started this company with our own funds. What we bet our money on, there should be some people that we convince by telling the truth. <laughs> so we even hashtags like uh, talk truth and so on to, to start with. I think first couple of years we got quite disappointed that telling the truth is not necessarily enough to make people there's a lot of money behind the untruths (laughs) right the thing is let's say okay buy this shampoo and it will i mean your hair will be 50 percentage more volumized right that's a very like it's there take it or leave it it's a very clear communication it's a a feature yeah yes so various us talking about factories, if the workers in the factories are happy, we are a living wage employer, we talk about employee welfare, culture, consumers. It yeah. takes, I mean, I don't know how many minutes we've been talking about, but it mm-hmm. takes a lot of time. Right. You don't have this time to talk to people. Yeah, but but I think that those, I, I actually love what you're saying there. And I think that those storylines are really important to tell because I think there is a shift in consumer behavior and people are caring about those companies and products that are, you know, triple bottom line business model, people, yes. planet, profits, right? Like yes. emphasizing that. So if you do lean into those storylines, you know, these factories are employee owned that's really cool and the the products are innovative because you've done your research and have developed products that aren't harmful and they're in packaging that has a longer life cycle i think those are compelling stories to tell it's just you know how do you how do you cut through the noise and 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 reach your target audience yes that's like of course that's our biggest challenge because the rest is easy i mean the only thing we didn't know the how to run an e-commerce site like although it's painful we learn it after some time some experiences and some losing money and i mean it's it's easier to learn also like in terms of the way we communicate after some time i acknowledge that it's a process a couple of months ago we had our whole team like 20 people from all around the world working for talking in here in our office and i brought people in in different times and the story i tell about tuck to them is different <laughs> because mm. it, it keeps evolving our circular economy like our no nonsense you know there was always some key features we were holding in terms of communication in different times and how you tie them together to have a one compelling powerful story it takes a lot of time you know, to really find the essence of what we stand for. And I was like joking that while everybody's here, let me tell you where I stand with Tuck. <laughs> we keep, we start from there uh, all together. But also the good thing is like, even our logo, we use it on, on different shapes. The, we play with the blocks, right? Yes, because like we want to, we want our our brand to 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 represent also the nature of our organization that is keep evolving. For example, in terms of communication, when you say how you cut through the noise, we couldn't, first of all, to start with. And at one point, like team like confronted me saying, "Tamar, we are trying to sell toothpaste here." And you are talking about company culture. So it's like too much of an extent. You are talking about leadership and social change. I actually started another company 
called Punk Business School. I've heard of that. Yeah, tell me about that. It sounds like it has nothing to do with what I'm doing, Tuck. But in reality, it's a spin-off from Tuck. You know, like my team was like, oh, go and play with your ideas somewhere else and let us, you know, focus on the the, the, the consum- consumerism side of things in this organization, which will sure. at least still like have a bit of more focus on, on telling what we are doing. So, so t- yeah, tell me about the punk business school then. What's, yeah, what's yes, that all yes. about? So punk business school, it started as my playground area where I talk about company culture because, you know, I, I love talking about company culture. I, I mean, one thing that I, we have, like, a lot of products, they look cool. But what I'm most proud of is the people I brought on board with Tuck yeah. and yeah. the way we work together. It's so efficient. I mean, we love working together. It's just like we discuss things, we listen to each other. I think it's just, you know, and sometimes we feel like we don't get discouraged if things doesn't go our way. You know, right, because you're on a mission. Yes, and also we have the vibe, you know, like that we can do anything together. You know, if it doesn't work, this other thing work, and we just we wanna keep playing together. Right. And and the thing is like not compromising on your founding values. I think it's it's it's, it's quite important. Sometimes like I was like we had some tempting opportunities. You know, like people who wanted our brand in their stores some distributors and so on, which were like very good opportunities for us. Like given our low cash flow of income, they were building the opportunity to us. But we kind of, this is not what we stand for, you know, this is not right. how we started. And at that point we had a conversation, you know, maybe we get stronger first and then we like actualize our vision. But I don't believe that, you know, it doesn't right. work that way. It's right. like, uh, well, and maybe you, you pave your own path and do your own thing. I mean, if maybe there's a brick and mortar, talk brick and mortar in your future and it's just your products yes. and, and maybe there's, I don't know, now, now I'm like workshopping with you cause I'm all excited, but where you get to bring the packaging back and up and again, it's upcycled yes. and you have that relationship right yes. like that's yes, exciting exactly exactly so we decided to to stick on stick on our values and this kind of i think i think this is very powerful i've been kind of in leading roles in different platforms and i think this is the best version of it so that's why with punk business school i want to inspire like more people because we have almost like one dimensional image of business people you know, money-driven, tell me about your company valuation, what is your bottom line. So we have very boring stories to tell. Very boring. Very boring. Yeah. Whereas I don't think that this, I mean, I don't think that it brings the real joy in life and in, in your work. So it has to be like more i mean deeper than that aligned with people's values yeah you're, you're preaching my choir preaching <laughs> to the choir pinar i totally absolutely 100 percent agree my company is absolutely culture driven and our clients are our brand right like who we do business with says a lot about the culture of the company right exactly. and the people in the companies speak a lot about the culture so yeah and i think when you sort of make that shift from sort of, you know, hardcore consumer culture where it's just, you know, the the bottom line shareholder value and you start shifting it to, you know, creating good products enough that you need, but not more. Mm-hmm. And you're building teams around that, that support that vision. That's where I get excited. That's why you're on the podcast. That's why we're talking. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. I mean, look at us. Like when we talk, 
how much joy you know is shared if you were just exchanging some numbers it would be really you know but we are boring about how we can change the system that is not yes. uh, working for uh, everyone and the power that it gives to you like money cannot buy this power seriously yeah. right or passion or dedication i've heard you use the term business activist mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> What does that mean? I'm sure I heard it from somewhere, by the way. I don't think it's my original, but I loved it so much that I, I keep owning it and learning it because I think it reflects what I'm trying to do very well. Because the thing is, I'm in business because I love it. I mean, in my childhood, I used to play with, like, I had money collection. I used to sell things. That trade has been my passion, you know. Some people mm-hmm. have more noble things to do, you know, save lives, <laughs> educate young people. Me, I like money and, and, and trading. And activism is also like, I mean, I, I want to stand up for the things that I think that is not working. And it's also when you're in business, you are like hiring the corporate ladder or if you are lucky to have found, like found your own company, you kind of have a certain level of privilege or you reach that privilege. So how do you use, how do you transform this to, to, to some value? How do you pay back? Something to- positive. Yes, to society because business has just like very bad reputation for intellectual people, right? But I mean, we can't ignore that we need business and it has a lot of things. We need to, we need things. People make things. We need to trade those goods and services. So, but how do we spin that in a positive way that benefits more and more people? And again, going back to people and the planet in addition to, to profits, right? Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I love the term, you know, how you use business to, to become an activist because I mean, once you stand for something, people start asking the same thing from other companies and you right. can really drive a change. Well, and that's, I think the ultimate goal, right? Is, you know, you're, you, you are, I mean, your business model is bold. You're going up against some pretty big, deep pockets that have a clench hold on consumers, but really you're trying to shift behavior and how people view the day-to-day objects and things that we interact with. And some of those things are so mundane and boring, like dental floss and and razors and shampoo, but there's a lot of branding and money and effort put behind, you know, pushing those things. And so I, I love the I love the effort. I love the the idea. I love the the business plan. I think it's really inspirational, to be honest. You know, it's really great. And I think connecting with consumers at that level and sort of, I think, I don't know, you know, we haven't talked too deep into like your marketing strategies. I don't know if you have, I think I see alchemy on your bookshelf. Maybe not. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of behavioral psychology, behavioral economics that goes into building up consumerism. And I think there's needs to be an equal effort and pressure on the other side, breaking down those norms and consumerism. Now I'm going to like go on like a, a tirade here, but like consumerism really is about the products and service, the products and things that you surround yourself that helps define your personal identity, right? How much do we need our facial cream to help support that personal identity? Yeah. How much do we need our aftershave to feed into our personal identity. Like these are just things that 
you know, we don't need some sort of flashy packaging that reflects our personality and, you know, state in the world. I don't know. So I love it. I think it's just really exciting breath of fresh air and a noble, noble effort. Yeah, thank you so much. I actually wanted to just circle back to the punk business school a little bit. So what does that mean? So are are you, are those classes, are those courses? Do you have like a cohort? How do people get involved? Tell us about that. So we just launched our first self-education boxes. So we created self-education box that is full of philosophy books. And we created a learning journey, including philosophers and relating to real business case studies. So we have Harvard business case studies, we have philosophy books, we have letters. So kind of like really adding philosophy into the mix of business and you your... You talking my language, Pinar. <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, so the, 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 the question we want to find answer with our first self-education box is who am I as a leader? So we invite people to, to redefine what they stand for in life, what are the values that is driving them, and how much what they do at work is aligned with it. So it's kind of an invitation for people to challenge what they stand for. And the starting point is, if you don't know what you stand for, then you potentially not a great leader. You don't stand for anything. Yes. And then you can't really inspire uh, others. So who we brought into the mix is like Marcus Aurelius, who been very harsh to himself as one of the strongest leaders the world has ever seen. So we have Seagull Jonathan Livingston, who dedicated his life to for his patient, so from a seagull to imperial, but what do they- Two of my favorite books, by the way. Both of them are on the shelf, yes. Yes. Jonathan Livingston Seagull and Meditations are are definitely in the rotation. Yeah, mine too, by the way. So I started to make the first book, but really like first set, like really stand for what I also stand for. So it's kind of like, what is the common theme in these bits? And then we also have Bertrand Russell who discuss about like happiness, the of happiness is because also he describes the way you could be happy in life is like really standing for something feel valued in society so kind of we brought all these things together and hopefully inspire more questions to the readers that's where we started we don't know where it's where it will take us yeah because for when i launched tuck I was very opinionated and I, I I had a big vision. I still have a big vision. You know, there's like all big and bold. That's why I want to have a different approach to punk business school. This is like, I love it. This is like a bit like easy project where we have like calm conversations. And so we create our community of book lovers, a bit old fashioned, have these not small talks, but deeper talks uh, people. So we create our own little community step by step. So I love it's kind it. of, I have different worlds as, as an entrepreneur. I love it. You just definitely got a new client. <laughs> new, new customer. Are you familiar with Elaine Debuton and the School yes. of Life? <laughs> I I I I'm laughing because Elaine Debuton's Constellations of Philosophy is also in the in the. Uh, He's in the so book. good. He's yeah. so good. The School of Life. Uh, I yeah. yeah. I'm I'm a preacher of the School of Life and everything that. Yeah. 
that he's done. And, and he's been around for, for a while. And it's such an exciting, I send, send the school of life and Elaine books to everybody. Like he's <laughs> a big fan of him. Yeah, me too, by the way, because I mean, one thing that he stands for, like make philosophy accessible to people. Because like when I talk about punk business school in business environment and talk about, oh, it's, it's philosophy education for business leaders, people are get immediately scared of it, you know, oh, yeah. something gotta, that I'm not feeling comfortable talking about. Right. We got to break down those walls. I think philosophy is com- wildly undertaught in school, especially early on. And you, you know, you know, now I'm all going off on philosophy, but you got me all pumped up. They should be teaching Marcus Aurelius meditations in like junior high, like early on. I mean, these are very like foundational behavioral principles that we all should be taught and, and repeated. And, you know, it's just, those are super important things. I wasn't until my like late thirties until I even heard of Marcus Aurelius. Like, how was that? And I went to, you know, I went to college and I went to university and it's just, and even, yeah. Even, even in business schools, you know, like in right. education, like that's why I called my company business school, punk business school, like in top business schools, when executives are there, they're crying for help. There's a reason right. why people are there. You know, it's not that you're going to teach them marketing, please. Like they know it better than, I mean, I mean, most people because they made it to that 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 campus in, in in the first place so there's a moment of like an opportunity that is so missed how come like you are leading one of the like biggest institutions in the world and doesn't have a philosophy background i mean philosophy education i'm gonna say something kind of bold i think we are actually in the beginning of a new renaissance in creativity and business and I think that a lot, and, and if you, if you know anything about the, the Renaissance, you know, which happened in Florence in the 1400s and 1500s, the genesis of that was the discovery of a lot of lost books and scripts. And, and so this lost knowledge that was then resurfaced and put back into the collective culture. And we're talking about Marcus Aurelius and we're talking about the Stoics and we're talking about on the nature of things and Lucretius and like all of these things. And, and I feel like we kind of maybe, cause you know, that was a resurgence from the dark ages and sort of like lost knowledge of collective human knowledge. And I love it. I, I feel like we're on actually sort of, in the beginning of a new of a new renaissance of of creativity and business where people are sick of the extractive nature of capitalism and business and they're sick of the exploitation of people's hours and yes. you know sucking the 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 literal life out of people and like working for the weekend and there's better ways and there's you know more exciting ways to i think be a on a leader and then to also be on the worker side and how do we just do better? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Hard stop. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I love it. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. And yeah, also like with younger generations, like when I talk to people, you know, like in large institutions, they have difficulty finding the right talent. I'm like, oh, like they complain, they don't work hard and anything. I'm like, are we talking about the same people? Like, yeah, I don't find that problem. They're amazing. Right. You know? right. Yeah. Totally agree. I think they're looking in the wrong places and they're looking for the wrong people. Yes. And if, if you don't have a, like, you know, compelling purpose or story, right. I'm sorry, they don't want to spend their time for nonsense. Uh, right. Oh, no one's applying to my job that I'm not paying enough money for and there's no growth opportunities. And yeah, you're fishing with the wrong bait. 
That's, that's, <laughs> that's the problem. Well, Pinar, I could talk to you all day. This has been an amazing conversation. I'm so pumped up. I'm literally going to sign up for Punk Business School after the call. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you so much. I so much enjoyed talking to you. Likewise. Thank you for listening to Darts in the Dark. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please like, subscribe, and share our content. The goal of this podcast is to amplify the voices of businesses, organizations, and individuals enacting true change and impact. If you know someone you think would be a great guest on our show, please let us know. We're always looking for the next great conversation to share. Thank you.